calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Realm Presents Bullet Catcher, Season 3, Episode 7. Reunions. We sit in the rectory as night falls outside. Lena makes a fire in the stove, makes coffee, reveals some cookies with crystallized sugar on top, and serves them to us in a porcelain dish. The whole time she wears this smile on her face that I don't quite trust. But then again, growing up the way I did, you learn not to trust a person who smiles, because they generally want something from you and are willing to lie through their toothy grins to get it. And besides, Cass doesn't seem the least bit suspicious. Lena brings a small cup of warmed milk for the creature and puts it down on the desk. Your child is adorable, she says, smiling. She pets the creature's head, as though it were a dog, as though she had hardly laid eyes on a baby before. Why were you hiding? Nico asks. He rubs a bruise developing on his cheek where Lena caught him with the butt of her gun. Heard there was a team of people on the road coming to Jalapa looking for a bullet catcher. I'd assumed you'd be gunslingers finally caught wind of me. She goes back into the small kitchen and busies herself. We were careless. Lena shrugs. It's not like it was right after the war, where if you looked at someone wrong, they'd accuse you of being a bullet catcher and the gunslingers would come down on you like the roof caving in. Nowadays, it's easier to hide. People don't care as much about the war. Most don't remember it. It's easy to let things slip. You became the priest here. Lena smiles and sips her coffee. People ask less questions of a priest. They don't care where she's come from or what she did before she ended up in their parish. That's not why they show up to church. I fell into it as a way of hiding, but to be honest, it grew on me the longer I did it. Not the religion, per se, but the stories, and the chance to tell them to people who were actually interested, to counsel people. I was so young when the war started. I was still young when the war ended. For a long time, I thought change only came from fighting. It was here I found how profound talking could be. Speaking of the old days, Cass says, 
I'm putting the posse back together. There's a town that needs saving. We need you. Nene goes over to the bed and sits on the edge with a sigh. I thought that's why you might have come. So you'll join us. For the first time, Lena isn't smiling. No, she says. I don't reckon I will. Back in our hotel room, Cass paces the floor like a caged wolf. The whole walk back, she couldn't stop swearing. And when we passed the little man at the front desk, who greeted us with an unknowing smile, she shot him a look that nearly seemed to strike him dead. All the blood drained from his face, and he pretended to busy himself with something on the floor until we passed. So, she doesn't want to join us, Nico says, licking closed a cigarette. So, we move on to the next person. We need all of them, Cass grumbles. I'm barely paying attention. I rock the creature back and forth in my arms. We stare straight into each other, and it's as if I can't look away. Like I'm hypnotized. Like there is nothing more fascinating than the fact that this is my child, and I am its mother. Cass marches over to Nico and plucks a cigarette from between his lips and tosses it on the floor. I'm next. She comes over and a man gets right in my face. I can smell the sun and tobacco on her skin. As for you, Emma, I'd appreciate it if you acted as if you were half interested in this little operation of ours. I agree with Nico, I tell her calmly. I don't see how one person can make any difference. What about Lobo? Cass says, her voice tinged with frustration and disgust. What if Lobo walked through that door right now? My chest tightens. Yeah, but he ain't walking through that door, is he? There ain't another person like Lobo. He's gone. That's it. There is, Emma. It's you. It's me. It's Lena. It's even your brat of a brother here, damn it. We can all make a difference. Even so, Nico says, beginning to roll another cigarette, we can't force her to come with us. Before Cass has a chance to say anything, a commotion down in the plaza draws us all to the window. A platoon of darkly clad gunslingers marches through the area, knocking over and destroying the shuttered carts as they go. They come up to the front doors of the hotel, fling them open, and file inside in march step double file. I don't bother to count them. It's like a small army coming to get us. Maybe Lena had the right idea not joining up with us, Nico says. I'm already bundling up the creature. You don't think she ratted us out, do you? Cass shoots me one of her looks. She'd have rather died. No time to discuss it now, Nico says. We have to move. We hurry out the door, but only make it half a flight down the stairs before we hear the gunslingers, a few floors below, marching swiftly up the steps. What now? Nico says. Up, Cass says, already on her way. We take the stairs two at a time, reaching the top just as the gunslingers arrive on our floor and kick down the door to our room. There's a blaze of gunfire as they file in and shoot aimlessly inside. Won't be long until someone confirms we've hightailed it. The stairs end at the top floor. There's a ladder leading up to a locked hatch in the ceiling. There they are, shouts one of the gunslingers below. And soon the stairwell is filled with the sound of boots scrambling up to get us. Nico draws his gun and shoots the lock off the hatch and covers us as we make our way up the ladder. We emerge into the bottom of the old clock and shut the hatch behind us. One wall is taken up by the shattered white crescent of the bottom of the clock. The space is filled with the rusted and broken apparatus of the timepiece. Above us there is a platform and a wooden stair leading up. The hatch flings open, 
and a gunslinger pokes a gun through. Nico flicks the gun from his holster and shoots from the hip, planting a bullet between the man's eyes. He falls backward off the ladder, taking the two gunslingers climbing up behind with him. Cash shuts the hatch, but there's nothing to barricade it with and no way to lock it. The creature starts to wail. I bounce it up and down to shush it, but it's no use. Will you shut that thing up? Cass yells. Gladly, if you get the gunslingers to stop shooting at us. Nico points his gun at the floor and empties the chamber. They're screaming from the other side, and I cover the creature's ears, hoping it's too young to remember the sound. I'm the first to take the stairs leading to the platform. Nico and Cass follow, even though we all know it's a dead end. There is no ceiling. We're at the top where the rest of the spire broke off long ago. Above, the dark sky greets us, full of stars. The platform once housed the main mechanism for turning the clock hands, and it extends right up to the backside of the clock face. Nico goes to the edge and looks over. If we climb outside, we can use the hour hand to reach the scaffolding. Below us, the hatch opens with a bang, and the gunslingers begin to crawl through. And without thinking, I climb out onto the narrow ledge of the hour hand. The metal is slick and tilts down at a steep angle toward the center of the clock face. The broken face itself is adorned with metal filigree, extending outward from the center, toward where the numbers had once been, and now they make for solid handholds. Cass climbs out after me. Behind her, Nico provides covering fire, but eventually he too has to retreat to the ledge. Once I reach the center, there's nowhere to go except to climb down the broken filigree to the bottom of the clock. From there, it's about a ten-foot drop to the top of the old scaffolding. Above us, one of the gunslingers sticks her head over the edge and catches a bullet from Nico. She slumps over the side and falls past us with a whoosh of air, clanging off the scaffolding below before plummeting the rest of the way to the hard stone of the plaza. The wind is so loud I can't hear the creature crying, but I know it is from the way its heart is racing, the way it buries its face against my chest. Move, Emma! Cass calls from above me. As quick as I dare, I reach out and take the first handhold, and finally, I step off the ledge and onto the clock face. My hands won't stop shaking. Tears are running down my face. I've never known fear like this. I've never felt the fear of having to put my own child in danger. I thought I was strong enough to make sure no harm would come to it, only now, out here on the side of this building, with a small army of gunslingers chasing us, do I realize that no parent ever has that power. I step down off the filigree onto the stone lip, running all around the building. Below me is a scaffolding. Between me and it, nothing but the smooth stone of the building's facade. There's nothing for it but to jump. A hand reaches out and clutches my shoulder. I start so bad I almost lose my footing, but it's only Nico. I'll go first. You lower the child down to me. And before I can say anything, he jumps down. The scaffolding shudders and quakes under him, but holds firm. He looks up and signals me, and I start unbundling the creature, using the wrappings as a rope to lower it a little closer to Nico. Behind me, Cass has made a wall of her hands, spinning and tossing the bullets back at the gunslingers. I strain, trying to move the creature closer to Nico. Let go! He yells through the wind. The barrage of bullets is unrelenting. Cass moves to grab one of them and it slips past her, biting me in the arm. Cloth slips through my fingers and all I can do is watch, horrified, as the creature falls from my hands, right into Nico's arms. He catches the creature and gives me the thumbs up. Without thinking, I leap down to the scaffolding. It sways underneath our combined weight. Nico pushes the creature into my arms. The wrappings are all tangled around it, covering its face, 
and when I move it aside, the creature looks up at me, its big dark eyes full of tears. The breath goes out of me. I hadn't realized I'd been holding it. The scaffolding shudders again as Cass jumps down. I tie the creature to my body, and a moment later we're scaling down the side of the building. The gunslingers rain bullets on us from above, continuing their pursuit. We weave in and around the scaffolding, evading and deflecting their fire. Like ants, they pour over the side of the clock tower, letting down ropes and climbing down the clock face. The scaffolding groans and shudders under their combined weight. It's not going to hold! Nico yells through wind and gunfire. Follow me, Cass says, as she swings into the scaffolding and makes for the windows. We're still three stories up, and the windows on this level aren't meant to open. Cass kicks in the nearest one, and we pour into a room, tumbling over one another as we squeeze through the small opening. Inside, we're met by a startled-looking couple, one of them in bed, smoking and reading. The other is standing in the doorway to the bathroom, his jaw smeared with shaving cream and a razor in his hand. We pick ourselves up and run across the room to the door, bursting through into the hallway. There's no one on the landing. Looking over the rail, we spot a small group of gunslingers guarding the lobby. We can hear the gunslingers on the top floor, still making their way through the narrow passage, up into the clock room. We have only a few moments before they follow us through the window. The creature starts to wail. I whisper to the creature, desperately trying to quiet it. But it's too late. The sound above us stops. Voices. Then the unmistakable sound of the gunslinger's reversing course, climbing back down the ladder and rushing down the stairwell. Bullets start flying from above and from behind us, through the broken window. Cass turns and, with a sweeping move of her arm, throws a bullet back toward one of the gunslingers coming through the window. He catches it in the chest and slumps, stuck halfway through the opening, locking it up. At least for a few moments. There's no choice now. The only way out is down, through the gunslingers on the ground floor. More gunslingers come rumbling down the stairs. Nico pushes me ahead of him. I take the steps two by two, clutching the creature closer to me with both arms. Cass brings up the rear, throwing bullets back to where they came. We come hurtling down the stairs into the lobby, at such a speed that we nearly collide with the gunslingers waiting at the bottom. One of them wraps his arms around my waist, like a tackle, and throws me to the ground. I'm just able to brace against the ground with my knees and elbows to keep from crushing the creature. When I turn on my back, he tries to straddle me, his gun raised over his head. Raising my knees close to my body, I kick and send him flying. Cass pulls me to my feet, just as the rest of the gunslingers come pouring down the stairs into the lobby. At our backs, the gunslingers who pursued us down the side of the building leap to the ground and crowd through the doorway. Through the mass of bodies, it's just possible to make out a carriage rolling to a stop at the bottom of the stone steps leading up to the hotel entrance. Four rifle shots ring out. The ground starts to rumble. The gunslingers all around us freeze in their boots as everyone tries to work out what the hell is going on. We all seem to realize at once. Dozens of heads swivel toward the entrance of the hotel as the scaffolding just beyond the open doors crumbles, crushing the gunslingers beneath it and scattering those around and still descending to the ground. A thick plume of dust, like smoke from the muzzle of a cannon, rockets through the doors, filling the lobby. In the confusion, Nico grabs a shooter from a distracted gunslinger and fires into the crowd, giving us cover fire. From beyond the wall of dust comes a voice shouting, and we run toward it, tripping over debris and crushed bodies. Making our way outside, the carriage stands waiting for us. A man in a black cassock and a large soup bowl-shaped hat stands atop the driver's seat, rifle in hand, picking off gunslingers as they follow us outside. 
The door to the wagon opens and out steps Lena. She moves aside and waves for us to get in. As the gunslingers pour out of the building in greater numbers, she stands in front of us, deflecting bullets. From the step leading up to the wagon, I watch in fascination how she moves. She's not like Lobo, or Cass, or even Mal. She moves like a... meditation. The more gunslingers there are, the more bullets fill the air, the slower she seems to move, gathering the bullets one after another in her arms as she holds out like the rim of a bowl before her. And when she's gathered enough, she extends her arms out back toward the gunslingers, letting fly dozens of bullets, and the front line of the gunslingers collapses under the blow. Better climb aboard, Reverend, the man on the cassock says, putting down his rifle and picking up the reins. I reckon you're right, she says. The rest happens in slow motion. No sooner has Lena turned her back than a single gunslinger emerges from the entrance to the hotel, the dust blowing off his hat and shoulders like smoke from hellfire. He sees me. He sees the creature. He sees the prey he wants to cut down. He has just enough time to raise his shooter and let off a single bullet. There's no time to get out of the way. I reach out my hands, in that way I practiced and performed thousands of times, that way that at one time felt second nature, in that way that now my body struggles to remember. The force of the blow picks me off my feet, and I crash against the far side of the cabin. My body is fire, my mind blank. Lena climbs inside and shuts the door, and the wagon rumbles away under a hail of gunfire. The creature is silent. It's not until the wagon passes under the broken gate and we leave Jalapa that I can bring myself to look. My hands are covered in blood. The tears start to pull at the corners of my eyes. My mouth goes dry. But there's the bullet, resting warmly in the palm of my hand. The creature stares up at me, unknowing. The bullet slides from my hand in a slick of blood and rolls away under one of the seats. I rest my head against Cass's leg and let myself cry, holding the creature close to my chest, so tightly that it squirms against me, but I can't let go. And we rumble farther south. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. I want to take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like, Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. 
No one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash, an earthquake, or when a lone gunman decides to open fire. On May Day, you'll hear about the people who had to find out, people whose stories deserve to be heard. Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to May Day wherever you get your podcasts. I awake to the sound of the creature wailing. My eyes still closed. I reach my hand to my chest to stroke its hair. But the creature isn't there. I jolt awake. The blood on my hands is dried. The creature's wrappings lie in a tangle on the floor of the wagon. We've stopped. I'm the only one inside. The door stands open, and from beyond it, the sounds of voices intermingle with the creature's cries. I emerge from the wagon in a panic, and am met by the sight of Nico holding the creature under its armpits at arm's length. When he sees me, he flashes an embarrassed, exasperated look. It peed on me, he says. It peed on everyone, Cass says. Behind them, Lena and the man in the cassock try in vain to stifle their laughter. Nico brings the creature to me and delivers it into my arms, and it stops crying. Sorry, Lena says, stoking the fire with a stick. We had wanted to let you rest. It's all right, I say, balancing the creature on my knee. It's been changed and fed, and now it watches the fire in fascination. It's still new to me. But I find it hard to be apart from the creature. The creature? Lena echoes. Just what I call it. I haven't decided on a name yet. Nico comes around, collecting the tins and mugs. You're young to be a bullet catcher, Lena says. I look down at my bandaged hand. I'm afraid you're not seeing me at my best. I'm just surprised to be seeing you at all, she says. I didn't think there were any new bullet catchers. Not since the war, anyway. She was Lobo's pupil, Cass says. Lobo? How is that old dog? Dead. The word falls out of my mouth like mud and smothers the heat coming off the fire. Lena looks at her boots. I'm sorry. Me too. For a time, we all watched the fire climbing up into the darkened sky. Listen to the cracking of the blackening wood. I've never seen anyone catch bullets like you, I say to Lena, desperate to change the subject. Lena smiles. And you never will again, she says. I taught myself by studying the monks of an ancient order, long gone. Will you show me? Lena's smile grows wider. I'll certainly try. You're listening to Bullet Catcher Season 3 by Joaquin Lowe. Produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Bullet Catcher is written by Joaquin Lowe, produced by Marco Palmieri, and executive produced by Molly Barton, performed by Inez Del Castillo, audio produced, directed, and designed by Amanda Rose Smith, additional editing by Corey Barton. Original theme composed by Hashem Asadolahi, with performances by Justin Morell and Josh Deutsch. Cover art by Christine Barcelona.